everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee, and I'm your host, Brian Sheely. Joining me today, as always, is my good buddy. He's my co-host. He is the proud papa of the popular pop fagato, Mr. Brian Bikey. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. <laughs> and uh, we are joined today on this episode by a guest that we've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time. He is a two-time Finnish barista champion. He is the co-founder and CEO of Sudden Coffee, Kale Frese. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. So it's a lot of fun uh, having you on, especially because I was drinking your coffee this morning. So this seems very timely. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. That was really good. Super good. Were you drinking um, the newest batch? I just got some this week. I did. Yes, it was. Uh, I, I tucked into my most recent delivery. Um, some really good stuff. And uh, we'll probably talk more on the episode about why I had the opportunity to get into that this morning. But uh, this episode, we're going to be talking mostly primarily about instant coffee. Um, as obviously you should know, if you know anything about Kale and about sudden coffee, um, we're going to talk a lot about that on this episode. But before we begin, uh, we're going to start off the episode like we always do. And we're going to talk about some of the coffees that we've been enjoying. Um, I didn't, we didn't really talk about it, Kali, but can we put you on the spot and ask you what you've been brewing lately? Well, I mean, uh, I've really been enjoying some 49th Parallels coffees lately, uh, especially their Ethiopian Bokasso. That, granted, we happen to be using as, as Sudden right now, but I also very much enjoy brewing a, a Kalita out of that um, in the mornings when I get to work. Do you do a lot of a lot of your brewing at work or do you do you also brew at home primarily i i know like with a lot of coffee professionals obviously their their sort of work is is coffee so clearly they're brewing mostly there but do you do a lot of home brewing as well or i pretty much never like i never used to brew coffee at home uh -huh. so what i do now uh as you say here sort of in silicon valley you gotta eat your own dog food so <laughs> every morning that i wake up i i take a cup of cold water from the tap, put in the microwave for 90 seconds and mix in one tube of sudden coffee. And I have a pretty good cup of coffee with very minimal effort. And it makes me really happy. Like I've never wanted to make coffee at home really because it, I mean, as you said, I get to do that for work. Yeah, um, yeah. But That's... I'm really enjoying now kind of drinking coffee at home. Yeah, we have a shop here in town that serves 49th Parallel and I always I always try to make a point to get down there and uh, and sample some of the new stuff so yeah i mean they're one of my probably like top three roasters in the world mm. and i think they should they should they should people should talk about them more i think their <laughs> their sourcing is on point um and their roasting is really fantastic and they're really nice people so vince who's the who's the owner is a is a great guy and and laura who's their green buying is doing some amazing job that's awesome the one you just mentioned though is different than the the biftu that's been in previously right correct yeah so we were changing the coffees like every four to four to eight weeks right now um basically since we're selling it as a subscription we i mean ideally every time you'd get a different coffee i think but logistically that's kind of very hard when we're when we're scaling up but we try to change them uh, frequently and Bocasso is we just changed like maybe a couple of weeks ago Nice. I've yet to get into. I I got those in. I think yesterday because of the the holiday delay. So I need to get into one of those tomorrow. All right, Brian. 
What have you been brewing? So I got in two coffees from Populous. They're two Kenyan offerings, and I cupped them together, and then I brewed the one up that was uh, my preferred one. I liked them both, but it was the and I'm gonna get I'm gonna botch the name. It's like the Indoroini. I <laughs> I don't remember, but I apologize. You, if you looked at Populous's website, you would you would see which of the two it is, and it was just a really clean Kenyan. It's it's just you know. I don't know. I love Kenyan coffee, so it, it was one of the kind of softer ones. So it's got some dark fruit, some floral, kind of a grapefruit acidity, and then just like a nice gingerbread kind of finish to it. So I was just, I was kind of driving on that. I, I'm lucky now that when I go into the office in the morning, I can use the EK. So I just bring in some coffees and can I do some V6001s, use the EK, and been having some really nice coffees. I have a feeling I'm now the only person on this podcast who doesn't have regular access to an EK. Well, I have a feeling that you'll probably end up changing that sometime soon. <laughs> and, and and you're probably uh, on the sort of same boat with most of the listeners who don't yeah, no, have right. access to an EK. <laughs> right. All right, Brian, okay. what have you been drinking? Uh, well, nothing off of an EK, let's just say that. Um, <clears throat> I have, though, been brewing a... Uh, so... A lot of times I think my picks tend to be really floral and fruity coffees from Ethiopia and Kenya, and and those tend to be a lot of my favorites. Um, This time I'm going to pick one that is very different from my normal profile. It is the Honduras Santa Barbara from Methodical Coffee. Um, They recently started roasting, and uh, I've gotten a chance to get into this coffee. I liked it so much. I ended up getting another bag. So it's yeah, and that one of those. picture you sent me a picture of their new their packaging too. I I didn't know they were roasting until you asked me if I had tried them. Yeah. And then the packaging is really fly too. And a Honduras. I need to. It's getting to be that time where I need to start shopping for more Honduran coffees. Yeah, it is definitely. And I had an opportunity to to drink it. Um, basically, I think on all the brew methods that I have at home, um, I've I've been putting it through its paces, but. Uh, it's definitely drinkable. Um, really, I mean, not not overly, you know, fruity, not overly floral. I mean, there's a really nice stone fruit acidity going on, but it's just smooth and it's got a lot of a lot of milk chocolate notes and uh, really soft, kind of nutty finish. I mean, not not overly like pungently nutty, but nutty enough to where you you get that sense of uh, you know kind of earthiness a little bit but it's super drinkable i'm, I'm not it. sure that seth mills would approve of pungently nutty as a taste descriptor for a coffee that's a little <laughs> ambiguous i think yeah i i said when not not pungently nutty but uh well that's yeah. even anyway it's it's an anti-note it's anti-note um, anti-note yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of those uh hondurans especially from santa barbara and and especially the ones of uh Pacas variety yeah does 49th well, this, have a Honduras right now? 49th probably does have two Hondurans. Oh, uh, right sweet. Now. I think they just got them on the menu, both nice. from... The other one is, yeah, both from Santa Barbara. Um, All right. Well, those are our coffees. Um, obviously, we're here uh, talking to Kale, and sounds like you guys are quite busy. So thanks for being with us. Yeah, I mean, totally. For those of our listeners who may not know who you are, um, would you mind giving us just a little bit of a backstory about... Um, who you are, where you came from, and what got you into this crazy world of coffee that you're that you're currently in? 
Sure. Yeah. So I'm originally from Helsinki, Finland. Um, so grew up there and my whole family has been really into food always. So my, my mom works as an assistant professor at University of Helsinki and has a PhD in nutrition science. Oh, wow. Whereas my dad works in advertising, but he's always been like a foodie. So he, he was the one sort of cooking at our house and, and that's what we did all weekends always. So kind of joke about that. My dad was sort of working on the food stuff, um, until you ate it, and then sort of a responsibility was over and on to my mom, what happens to it once it's been eaten. <laughs> so kind of a very holistic view. Um, and pretty much when I was around 14, I, I decided that I wanted to be a chef. I was watching some like Jamie Oliver cooking shows on TV and, and was getting really into that. And when I was in eighth grade in school, so 14, um, 10 years ago, uh, we had a but there's like one week work experience thing where you get yourself a job and, and you work there for a week. And I decided to email the the best, the only two Michelin star restaurant in Finland and ask if they'd take me to work there uh, for a week. And in contrary to everybody's expectations, they were very happy to do so. And then never being in a professional kitchen, I go there and these guys are like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> So I went there for a week and chopped a lot of onions, uh, cleaned foie gras out of out of tiny veins, which is not a fun job, I can assure you. And all these like menial stuff, but I was super excited to be there and just get to the action. And, and that just kind of reinforced the idea that I wanted to be a chef. But then we moved to New Zealand uh, a year later when I was 15. My parents basically wanted to take a year off and... Um, my mom got herself like a research posting there and my dad was playing golf and tennis for a year and I went to school with my brother and that's where I realized that coffee could actually taste good and kind of for reference Finns drink the most coffee in the world per capita something like 12 kilos of roasted coffee per person per year oh wow wow which is like almost 30 pounds which is pretty absurd amount but it's all like super lightly roasted drip coffee that's not really well brewed. Um, and in New Zealand, in Auckland, where we lived, I got exposed to this whole new like espresso cafe culture uh, that was really exciting. And, and I found like a small booklet, like the best coffee in Auckland and, and started going around the city, going to these different coffee shops and started noticing some differences. And, and then I only started going to uh, these shops that had a particular brand of espresso machine that I, I didn't know anything about espresso or coffee making at the time, but these shops that happened to have a machine called La Marzocco tended to have better coffee than the other ones. So I would only go to places that basically had a linea on the countertop without <laughs> knowing that. Uh, and then we came back to Finland and I ended up at this half a day barista course where I would, somebody would actually teach us to make espresso and, that's where I realized that it's actually not the machine that makes the coffee taste good. Although we were using a Lamar go there, but it's the guy behind the machine. Like the barista has such a big impact on it. And if you don't have, if you don't know what you're doing, the coffee won't be tasting good. And that kind of blew my mind. And the following night, I literally dream about coffee for the first time and pretty much figured out that that's kind of what I wanted to do. So 
I was in high school at the time and, and um, every lunch break I would run to this coffee shop that was a, a while away. And they were rotating the coffee so they would have two, two different coffees every day. So I would order both and then instead of back of my, my diary, I had a little coffee well, coffee diary, uh, where I wrote down all the tasting notes and and pretty much started realizing that I preferred like more acidic, fruitier coffees. And then I also heard that they were basically importing like uh, roasted beans from Italy, which was not tremendously exciting. And I heard that there was this one tiny company that actually roasted coffee themselves near the airport in Helsinki. So one day I, I took a trip there to their like open house and the moment I walked in, I was like amazed. Same thing, same feeling when I first went to the professional kitchen. Like, holy crap. <laughs> they get these beans that are raw and then they turn them brown and it smells really good. And it was like magical. And I started skipping classes from high school every Tuesday when they when they would be roasting and went up there, uh, like label bags and bag coffee for a day and and reward they would give me a couple of bags of coffee to take home with me so it was essentially working for coffee pay and then after about half a year they moved to a new place and opened a coffee shop and then hired me as their first employee there and, and that was like my first barista job and that summer so summer of 2010 I was working for Johanna Nystrom in Stockholm and then went to back to Kaffa Roastery which is the, this place in Helsinki where I was working and I started doing some competitions the first time in 2011. And I was pretty pretty certain that I got this covered and I'm going to win the competition. I was 19 then. <laughs> and didn't go quite as well um, <laughs> for my signature drink. I had this, uh, like a strawberry foam in a, in a uh, whipping siphon that I ended up spraying all over the, like over two judges. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I also had a had an ice cream roasted almond ice cream that was like representing the roasted component in the coffee uh, that was supposed to melt, but it did not melt. So the whole drink was like a bowl of ice cream that didn't melt, and the strawberry foam all over the place. Oh gosh! Coffee. <laughs> so that didn't go so well. Uh, but I placed fourth out of like six competitors in the whole of Finland. So. That was a start. Then I did it again, 2012, and placed second, and and won the first time in 2013, and then again in 2015, and then I placed ninth in the world. Yeah, so that's kind of my <laughs> coffee career. Then I've I've done kind of started becoming an entrepreneur when I was 17. So Sudden is my fifth company that I'm co-founding. So done a bunch there. I opened my first coffee shop, Fraser Coffee in Helsinki, almost. Um, three years ago now and closed that about a year and a half ago in order to, to start working on something else. So coffee culture over in um, Helsinki, is that, describe that a little bit in, it, in its influence on you. I know you, you talked about a little bit in, and what kind of drew you in and what kind of coffees you liked, but when was coffee changing over there or has it always been more on the lighter side? That's one thing that I've kind of been interested in too, because I know you know, here over in the U.S., we we generally think, oh, Nordic style of roasting. But has it always been like that? Or what's a little bit about that history? Could you go into that just a little bit? Sure. So, I mean, coffee has always been like really light in Finland. 
And there's a couple of theories for that. Some say it's because of the water, like the water is generally very soft and, and sort of lighter coffee tends to work better with lighter, like uh, softer water. Well, like if you have darker coffee, it's just going to taste really roasty. Um, and then other theories like after the Second World War, when coffee was basically rationed in Finland, it made sense to roast it very light in order to lose the least amount of moisture during the roasting process. So uh, in a way, as a, as a sort of frugal measurement, uh, roasting it light um, is, is kind of one explanation given. Hmm. But that sort of seems to be the preference for, for people, and that's how it's been always. And so I mean, it's a pretty integral part of the, the whole culture. Uh, but nobody really considered it to be something that could even taste good. And 10 years ago, like cafes, as we now think of them, didn't really exist. It was only like in, in 2009, 2010, when kind of the third wave coffee shops slowly started opening up. Uh, and now there's a lot of going on. Um, I think, honestly, to me, Helsinki is a more an exciting more exciting coffee town than than Stockholm or probably even Oslo. I mean, in Oslo, you have the likes of Tim Wendelbo and 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 sort of um, Mokka and Java and Stockflits, but there hasn't been a ton of kind of innovation happening um, over the past five years or so. Whereas in Helsinki, it's kind of a pretty vibrant community that's growing um, quite rapidly. So exceptional in the service aspect, great at getting strawberry foam all over judges. Now, how how do we transition from that into where you're where you're at with coffee currently? Well, so to me, coffee started as as kind of a very um, shelfish thing. Like I discovered this world where something you just dis- thought is coffee, but then you go one step further and you realize there's all these crazy different flavors. And I was very much, I was a total douchebag barista uh, back then. I was just really focused on making the best coffee possible and sharing that with kind of my coffee friends and other people I kind of deemed worthy or, or understanding it. And over time, I started realizing that what I do every day behind the bar, serving somebody a coffee, can actually be a really concrete way of making that person's day better. Like these people would come in every morning, kind of grumpy. I mean, it's winter in Finland. It's like minus 20 Fahrenheit. It's dark. Um, And then you go to a coffee shop and how I serve you and the beverage I give you can have a dramatically big impact on your day. And and when I started getting this experience that people come in kind of grumpy and I give them coffee and we chat and maybe joke, they actually leave smiling or laughing. And, and I started realizing that that actually has a big impact in their day and realized that that's what I enjoy most in life, really, like make sense, making somebody else's day better. And coffee has evolved from that kind of very, in a way, shelfish um, personal experience into something that I see now more as a tool or a vehicle to make somebody else's day better. And the longer I work in coffee, it's sort of less intrinsic value it holds. And more I see it as about sort of the sort of the whole experience. And 
making great coffee really approachable and accessible and fun um, kind of became my passion. Like thinking how my grandmother is in her 80s and she lives in the middle of a forest in Finland. And she really likes good coffee, but she definitely doesn't have coffee shops around and she doesn't want to have a grinder. So I was thinking, how could I help her to drink good coffee or make it easier? And, and also, uh, that, so that was behind sort of idea behind my coffee shop, that it would be a, a great space where anybody could come in, even if they didn't know anything about coffee, and we would kind of be very welcome and, and serve the best coffee possible, but in a way that really wouldn't turn off anybody. And that was doing fine, but the shop was just tiny. It was 12 seats. And uh, it was in this like weird neighborhood in Helsinki where there's a lot of people on weekends, but nobody during the week, like residential area. And it was making enough money to keep the lights on, but not enough money to pay myself a living wage. So I decided to close it um, in March 2015 and, and started thinking of more scalable ways where I could create a bigger impact in making good coffee more accessible. And I researched a couple ideas um, and then stumbled across instant coffee, which I knew a couple other people had looked into already. Um, I studied marketing and food science at the University of Helsinki, so I kind of had an idea of how that stuff is made and why it tastes pretty bad. So <laughs> in, in short, instant coffee is liquid coffee that's dehydrated. And how it normally works is that very large companies that produce it aim to make a lot of it for as little money as possible, not really caring about the taste. And they do that pretty well. Um, that equal, like, basically means buying the crappiest coffee that nobody really wants to drink. And I've been doing enough traveling in sort of coffee production areas that I know that it's, like, really the nastiest coffee uh, that is out there that nobody wants uh, is, is the stuff that ends up in instant coffee. And then it's brewed in conditions that basically maximize the stuff you get out of there. So you brew it basically twice in really high temperature, like 300 Fahrenheit and 15 bars pressure in these huge vats so that the structure of the bean changes that normally you can extract roughly 30% out of the bean. So 30% is water-soluble and 70% is basically wood. It's cellulose. It's the grounds you dump out. But when you keep it in such a high temperature and pressure, the cellulose changes and actually part of it becomes water-soluble. So you can extract up to 60% by weight, which is like three times as much as you'd normally want. So you get all these like bitter and woody notes but it makes sense if you want to make a lot of it for as little money as possible. Sure. And then it's basically boiled down until it's a syrup with uh, a TDS of like 50 to 60%. So basically a coffee syrup with very little flavor left. And it's um, spray dried. So you spray it with hot air and you remove first of the water and just like coffee grounds that don't have much flavor or aroma left. And our idea was kind of, well, what if we start with the same coffee that I would use at my coffee shop? Like start with the best coffee, uh, which is always the starting point. And then brew it really well that it would taste good and work really hard to preserve all that goodness and turn it into instant coffee. And 
bit over a year ago, um, I was running the first test on, on that in Helsinki and turns out it can be done. Um, and started working on it more and, and I knew that I didn't really want to do that in, in Helsinki because, well, nobody drinks instant coffee there and I was also pretty pretty done with that city. Uh, it's, a, it's a small place. And I, I had been running a, a coffee shop in Helsinki with, um, with this couple, Katarina Fake, who's co-founder of Flickr, and her partner, Yuri, who is a, a Finnish entrepreneur, sold one company to Google and one company to Groupon. So kind of with their help, I, I moved to San Francisco and, and started making coffee here. So that process, I mean, it, it, you obviously, sounds like you've worked on it for quite a long time just to kind of perfect it and get it, get it going. I know, I know there's a lot of sort of mystique about, about what you do and how you do it. I mean, what are you able to say about the process that it goes from whole bean that you, that you open up a bag of to, you know, a, a tube of sudden coffee? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on yeah. and, and making that work and making it scale in any way has been our primary focus for the past six months. Uh, one of our advisors is uh, this guy called Shahan Yaretsian, who's basically the world's leading coffee scientist with like over a hundred publications about coffee. He's the professor for analytical chemistry at University of Zurich and used to be the head of Taste and Aroma at Nespresso. And he knows a lot of stuff about it, um, like how it works at big scale. And we've kind of been developing our process together with him. And basically how we got started is pulling a lot of espresso shots by hand uh, in order to make the coffee. And we're now uh, moving away from that. But that's literally... Sort of startup way, startup world. There's a saying that do things that don't scale, so you can actually get started. Um, and I think that's a that's a very good example of that. Coming to a point where we have a person whose full time job is just pulling shots of espresso for <laughs> producing satin. <laughs> Please so, give me a break. I just need three minutes. Right. Well, I mean, so the problem is that it's. It's summer in San Francisco now, and our grinders are getting so hot for the for the use that sure. they're kind of jamming because of that. So that's what we've been doing, and then we uh, we basically use a a proprietary process to do a stuff to that coffee. We don't add anything, um, but we basically work on it to preserve all the flavor, and and then we dehydrate it. I mean, that's pretty much I can, as much I can tell you without killing you. Oh, sure. Without having to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to die. So that that uh, that amount of information is is good enough, I think. Sure. But uh, no, I, I it's interesting, though, because I mean, you know, reading reading about you guys and, and what you've been up to, you know, I sort of picture in my head that literally somebody is just pulling shots of espresso all day long. Um, and so to hear you say that, that you're kind of moving away from that kind of makes me feel a little bit better for whoever person's job that might actually have been. Um, so most of the time that would have been my job. So I feel very, <laughs> <laughs> I feel very good about myself, uh, or like for myself for moving away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we've had some fantastic baristas as well. You're obviously in the middle of, you know, one of the coffee meccas. Um, and so you, it, it sounds like from, from one of the last, uh, 
you know, letters, I think that we got through the subscription. Um, it sounded like you, you guys have been taking on some staff. Have, have you been working with some seasoned coffee professionals now that now that uh, you guys have been taking on taking on some folks? Yeah, we're at. So it's going to be going up and down a little bit. We've had a bunch of contractors we worked with and we just hired three people um, working on the production and in our latest hire uh, one of the best like I'm so happy we got her working for us um, very uh, young lady called Umeko who's worked <laughs> for uh, for Barrel and Blue Bottle in the past yeah she's literally one of the one of the most talented and hardworking and best baristas and, and coffee persons I know and I mean I was just, just talking with my co-founder Josh today that I can't really think of anybody better working for us right now in that role of sort of helping us work on the coffee and, and quality control so I'm very excited to have her on board and she's also very like shares the shares the mission like um, for us which is making specialty coffee third wave coffee just a lot more approachable uh, for a lot more people. Right. So you talk about approachability, right? I mean, and I love the story that, you know, it comes basically with, with the thought of your, your grandma, you know, making coffee out in the middle of the woods. Um, you know, what, what is kind of your idea as the target demographic or the target customer for sudden? So right now we're, so we see sudden as, an alternative way of drinking high quality specialty coffee. It's not meant to replace going out to a coffee shop or brewing coffee at home. We think it's rather offering an alternative. Like if I have a chance of going to Cyclas or whatever, um, I would happily do that. And, and honestly, like our coffee is never going to be better than really well dialed in uh, freshly brewed coffee simply because of the, of the process and, and, when you dry stuff, there's always something changing. And so right now we're kind of targeting with people, targeting people who who do drink good coffee and understand that there is such a concept that good coffee and it can taste good and can be a little more expensive uh, and basically help them drink good coffee whenever they wouldn't be able to otherwise. So if you're traveling, um, if you're stuck at an office where you only have crap coffee around and there's no good coffee shops around, or like myself, if you just want to have like a super convenient, lazy coffee in the morning to get your eyes open, um, sort of kind of like that market. We're not competing with instant coffee. If somebody's happy drinking Folgers and they are used to it costing them like 20, 30 cents a cup, there's no way we can compete with that. It's like we're selling it for two fifty now, which... I mean, ultimately, what we want to do is is basically help you drink a good cup of coffee, as good as you'd get at 90% of the coffee shops. And you can have it anywhere for half the price what you'd pay at the coffee shop. Yeah, it's been very, I've been, I've loved it when I've been traveling on the road and I don't have a stop anywhere near to, I don't, or I don't want to jump off and get a soda, but I got a headache coming on, or maybe I made I was getting stuff ready for my family in the morning. I didn't have time to make coffee. I could throw it in hot or cold water or like ice some milk down and throw it in there for like an ice latte or something like that. Like it's it's really nice the way that it, it plays 
for all of that. And, and kind of like what you're saying, I, I don't use it necessarily to replace anything. I just use it when I'd like good coffee and I don't want to resort to cheaper coffee and I don't have time to brew or maybe I need to be quiet in the house and I can't turn on my grinder or <laughs> any sort of thing like that. So it's great. But one thing I, I, I found interesting is that, so there's been a lot of buzz on both sides for sudden coffee. And so one thing I, I just, you know, kind of want to talk about a little bit was um, if there's been pushback from people who are wondering, you know, where sudden coffee fits in this quote unquote bubble of what the third wave coffee landscape is or what the quote unquote specialty coffee landscape is. I would say that the response has been actually really amazingly positive. Good. I was expecting a lot more pushback um, because, I mean, if somebody would come to me and claim like, hey, this is instant coffee that actually tastes good, I'm like, you're telling me what? Something <laughs> that has been around for 100 years and always sucked is all of a sudden really good. Uh, yeah. So I would be skeptical. And I think a lot of people are until they taste it. And, and when you actually taste it... Um, pretty much everybody gets that is actually really good right and like even without tasting there's been a lot of like i think a very large number of coffee professionals that i like really look up to and admire that are very excited about the possibilities of of making specialty coffee more accessible and in some ways i feel that a lot of people think about that and but might be a little afraid of doing that it is a weird kind of a proposition and, and, and you might have expected more pushback. And I think the really the only way you can do it is is do it as a as a separate startup. Like it's much more kind of a risk for a, an existing grocery to do that. Right. And I think obviously partly my my background um, helps there or makes sense. Uh, it would be a very different thing if Nestle or Starbucks launched that. I think it's sort of very aligned with like what I've, what my story is about and what my things have been about and all my barista competitions are really, have been about making good coffee more accessible. And, and that's sort of the reason why I've been competing and, and doing it. So I think it makes sense, um, sense there. And, and I think if, I mean, if you look at the market in more general, there's a lot of like Pete's, Starbucks, Blue Bottle, La Clome, and a variety of smaller notable grocers are, have launched uh, bottle, cold brew, whatever drinks. And, and Maxwell Colonna Dashwood is working on on making pods that actually actually taste really, really good. So if you have a chance of trying them, you should. And I think we're seeing this larger shift of, of specialty coffee starting to move towards mainstream, which understandably somebody can see as a bad thing. I mean, I would have seen that some years ago as as like selling or soul or or whatever um but i mean what i really think is that sure sudden is not going to be as good as a really nicely done pour over but what it will enable you to do is i can give it to anybody on the street and they have a very small chance of screwing that up <laughs> and we can be pretty sure that they're going to have a good experience with that which is not necessarily the case even if you buy a great bag of beans. Right. I mean, there's still a ton of things that can go, kind of go wrong. Yeah. And let me jump in there too. Cause I think, you know, one of the things that 
I love about sudden, um, you know, the, the very first delivery that I got, I think I, I had eight tubes. I drank two myself and I gave six of them to my friends and people who, you know, one of them was one of the, the ladies, she, she loves her cold brew, you know, and she makes it at home. She doesn't really have a lot of like third wavy sort of specialty coffee equipment. And if I were to give her a bag of beans, like that probably would not have, you know, worked very well for her. Um, but I gave her a tube and, and she brewed it up and she loved it, you know, and, and I gave it to a coworker whose wife was complaining about how they ran out of coffee in the house and she had to drink instant coffee and it was terrible and she was complaining. So I gave her a tube and came back and the, the report was just, again, it was great. Um, but it happens. I mean, I think that's a lot of, I think that's the benefit of this service is, you know, and this product is really that it's, it's so accessible, it's so easy to use, and there's really just no thinking about it at all. It, you know, it's easy to recommend. It's probably one of the easiest things to recommend to people who love their K-cup machines, who love their, you know, automatic, you know, quick single cup brewers or, or their cold brew or whatever. Um, it's probably one of the most accessible, approachable um, products that I've been able to, to pass out to people and know that they're really, there's just almost no way to screw it up. Well, yeah, and going back to his the, what he mentioned in the very beginning, you know, the way that he makes it home, it doesn't involve a kettle or anything. You just put a cup of, hot, of water, cold water, tap water, in the microwave for ninety seconds, and then dump it in, and then it's done. You don't have to you don't have to mess with any of that. I was almost late for work, and literally, that's exactly what happened to me this morning. I, I, it was it was me in the microwave in a cup with hot water. And running out the door, dumping in a tube into my into my keep cup, and that was my morning coffee. <laughs> right, and it, it's kind of magical every time I do it. Like, still, uh, I've probably drank something more than anybody else. And every <laughs> well, let's time hope I so. It, well, exactly. <laughs> uh, every time I make it, I'm still amazed. Like, I can't believe that this is true. Like, if if I wasn't working on this and somebody else was, I would be really pissed at myself. Was not coming up with it sooner, <laughs> I guess. One of your favorite and, and videos so, I remember you s- seeing you do online was where you were in the airport. Was it Dunkin' Donuts coffee yeah. in the airport? And it just, it's it's weak, right? Because you it's, it's heavily roasted coffee and it's brewed weak. And so it already kind of has maybe a little unfavorable characteristics to it. But most of all, it's just watery. And you could just put, you know, sudden in it to boot, to boost it up. And I've, I've been there too. I think when I was at my most recent convention, uh, when I was with the game company in Indianapolis, I, I got a, like a blonde from a Starbucks or something like that. And I just wanted an extra push or maybe it was, it might've been the coffee from the hotel or the convention center or something like that. And I had to put a tube of sudden in there to give it a little oomph. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, which, which can help with that. And especially if we want to stay awake, the funny thing is that it, Technically, it has the same amount of caffeine, so it's basically worth like two, a double espresso. When you dry, the caffeine becomes more bioactive, meaning that while there's technically the same amount of it, your body's going to absorb it more efficiently. Hmm. Now, if there's any like a doctor or somebody who actually knows more about the mechanism, basically, thing bottom line feels more caffeinated um, than regular coffee. And I just wanted to add uh, in sort of the, the previous point that we've really been amazed how kind of strong the community is around the product and how willing people are sharing it to it. 
like even when we were selling it at six dollars a cup earlier this year, we had a, a lot of people who would share half of their monthly shipment with their friends, just give them away, um, <laughs> which is really amazing. Uh, and we've never would have guessed that that that's sort of what's happening. And I should have been thinking of like, should we include a tube to share with friends with some shipments <laughs> or something? It certainly is a an unexpected. You know, I, I think a couple of episodes back, we were talking about some of the surprises that we'd experienced in coffee. And uh, the fact that we'd even be talking about instant coffee is just crazy. And, you know, the fact that we're sharing instant coffee with friends is also crazy. And uh, so speaking of crazy things, what are you guys up to next? Or is there anything that you're that you're working on that you're that you're wanting to push forward toward here in the next little while? Well, for us, the biggest thing has been that we haven't been able to make enough of the coffee, which is <laughs> a really annoying place to be. Like, in a way, it's a good problem, like having more demand than you can supply. But when it when it's running for like two months, it's not a great place to be anymore. Right. And it's not great for the sort of customer experience we want to create. Like if we call it selling coffee, you should be able to get it, place an order and get it next day, ideally, um, or the day after. So we're scaling up our production pretty pretty aggressively now. We're looking to do basically 10 times what we're doing now by end of October. And nice. yeah, at that point, we call it uh, the, the plan, um, plan Escobar. So we yeah. want to get to a situation where we have mountains of powder that <laughs> oh <gosh>. we can <laughs> then, <laughs> then be distributing. And, and sort of a strong thing definitely will be the subscription and... and um, we want to make it something that's part of people's people's daily routine and we can solve a coffee problem for them or, or like have some around. But we're like, once we have enough supply now as well, we're also looking for some really great coffee shops to, to carry Sutton. So if there are any coffee shop owners around the U.S. who'd, who'd want to have it on their shelves, uh, we'd love to talk with you and, and basically have it as uh like basically see how it would work out and that's awesome you're going to be at new york coffee festival next week and that's uh, right are you going to be are you just going to be around or are you going to be on the floor with a booth or what what's your what's your presence there going to be like so i'm i'm going to be talking about <laughs> disruption in coffee industry at the uh, allegra ceo summit which is going to be on thursday day before the coffee festival starts so that's sort of my official agenda there. And then I'll be, I'll be walking around the show floor with a lot of sudden with me. So, <laughs> and if actually if somebody is willing to host me at their stand to do a little coffee tasting, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to do that. Just shoot me an email. Call a at suddencoffee.com. Shameless plug there. Uh, Shameless plug. We're, we're down with plugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but we're not going to have a booth. The thing is that we're, we're like, um, we can do more gorilla. We don't need a booth. We just need some water. And just walking up to people's juice. cups and dipping sudden coffee in it and walking away. Exactly. It's <laughs> pretty much. So I was at, at this one coffee party um, listening to this talk and, and Katie Cargrillo, the wonderful 2012 U.S. Barista Champion, now um, has been working at Counterculture forever. <laughs> she was standing uh, in front of me and I slipped a couple of tubes in her jacket pocket and then she she texted me the next day i was like i was like what do what did i find in my pocket that i realized that it's coffee 
can be can be sneaky. That's so funny. You could be sneaky at the Quills booth. Just you could drop your whole bag there if you want. I'll take good right. care of it. Safe, safe, keep it there. That's right. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us a little bit about Sudden and where you've been, and uh, we're excited to see the company scale, production scale, and get more people getting their hands on Sudden Coffee and you know being able to experience great coffee in the times where they didn't think it to be possible. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. It's it's really great chatting with you guys, and I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast and your both Instagram feeds, so. So we, we usually like to leave here with where we can find you online. If somebody wanted to find you or contact you, you know, where, whether it be you or Sudden Coffee, how, pe- how can people find you? So we're at suddencoffee.com, um, obviously where you can buy it. Um, and we actually now have for a limited time uh, availability of, of buying it as a one-off purchase. So without a subscription. So you should go there and do that right now if you want to give it a try. Um, and we're also Instagram, so at Sudden Coffee, which is kind of our main thing, and that's where you you'll hear about our coolest stuff. We also actually have a secret Facebook group if you're into that, called Sudden yes. Coffee Club. So you can look for that, Ooh. and I'll I'll add you there. That's a actually secret the, Facebook. That's yeah, I'm there. Yeah, that's the VIP club. <laughs> that's where you'll see the Escobar pictures when just laying across the bed of grounds. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are on Instagram at I Brew My Own Coffee. We're on Twitter at Brew My Own Coffee. You can check out our website at ibrewmyowncoffee.com slash 47. will be the episode notes for this show. Um, if you want to send us an email, click the contact link at the top of the page. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week, make it sudden. Make, make it, it sudden. sudden.